Hello, and welcome to The Shining Light, where we are shining the light of the gospel and speaking the truth in love, providing strength, and stirring the hearts of our listeners. We are so glad to have you joining us today as you listen to this message from Pastor Tim Cruz. And let's all be reminded today that there is a God in heaven who welcomes us home. Come home. I was thinking about some places we've been, and by the help of the Lord, we plan to go. And I want you to take note of some things, because the text that I'm preaching from this morning mentions this area of En southeast of Jerusalem, there at the Dead Sea. It's where Saul pursued David, and the enemies of the Lord gathered themselves to gather against his people in our text from 2 Chronicles chapter 20. It's also a place that we plan to visit next year, God willing, on our trip to Israel. And I want you to be a part of that. We've got information that we're going to give to you there. But uh, what a place, the beauty, the springs, and things that you can see and enjoy. I was just uh, taken back at uh, how marvelous of an alcove it was, how refreshing there where David hid out from Saul. And and if you stand in this alcove, you can see in the distance the Dead Sea, the beauty of it, the natural protection that God provided for David as, as he was pursued by Saul. But this is where the enemies of the Lord are gathering themselves together to come against King Jehoshaphat and the people of the Lord. And I want you to take your Bibles and stand with me this morning. And let's read our text together aloud. It's 2 Chronicles chapter 20 and verse 12. 2 Chronicles chapter 20 and verse 12. Let's read it together. O our God, wilt thou not judge them? For we have no might against this great company that cometh against us. Neither know we what to do, but our eyes are upon thee. Think of that. We don't know what to do. We don't know what to do, Lord. I'm preaching a message this morning entitled, When There's Nothing You Can Do. When There's Nothing You Can Do. I want you to be seated, please. There are situations to which we enter that we come to the conclusion there's nowhere else to turn, there's nothing else to do. I mean, I am stuck. This has been family month, and as we conclude our emphasis on Sunday mornings today, I think about these tipping points I mentioned, about these places to where it is a time of significant change in our lives. We come to a place to where we're at literally the end of ourselves. There's nothing I can say. There's nothing I can do in a given situation. Either I've erred, I've, I've dropped the ball, I've messed up, or I've been misunderstood. I don't know. Uh, I've hurt others. Others have hurt me. Uh, there is something that perhaps has been misrepresented between me and another. Uh, perhaps... Uh, there is an effort for some to discredit others, to justify their own actions. Uh, we get caught up in the whirlwind of uh, competing hearts, uh, desires, agendas even. 
Sometimes things hurt so deeply that we simply no longer have a heart to even deal with those things. Think of that. There's a point to where you don't even want to deal with it. It's too painful. You ever been there? The hurt is just too deep. But what we would not do for ourselves, we're willing to do for God and for others. Lord, show me what's right here. Help me to do what I don't even in myself have a heart to do. I'm willing to do this for you, Lord. I'm willing to do this for others. I read about the story of a young man who was about to lose his soul to the devil. Satan had declared checkmate. And uh, as you think about this, there was a famous chess player from America named Paul Morphy who examined this picture in 1861 and pronounced, young man, you have one move yet. Apparently the painter had overlooked one possible move. Satan whispers to you and to me, check. Checkmate. I've got you. You're finished. But remember this morning, with the Lord Jesus Christ, there's always one move yet. You say, I'm at the end of this. I don't know where to turn. I don't know what to do. There's nothing I can do. Yes, there is. With the Lord, there's always another move. And I thank God for that. Don't you? Look in our text. Turn back here into chapter 20 and verse 3 and notice these things. This is precious to me as I think about what this young man faced. Can you imagine the fear, the terror in his heart thinking it's over? But just like him, when you think it's truly nothing more that you can do in a given situation, the Lord reminds us that I'm here and if you will call unto me, I will answer you. And so when you think you're at your end and there's nowhere to turn and there's nothing to do, You've got to know that there are some moves that God gives you that are illustrated here in our text in 2 Chronicles chapter number 20. I want you to write this down, if you will, because God wants us to look to him and do these things. God's word is given to us for our learning, for our instruction, for our exhortation. Number one, he wants us to submit ourselves to him. Submit yourself to God. Give yourself and your situation to the Lord. Ask him to work. When you can't do anything, God can do something. Be reminded that God is the great difference maker. Never leave him out of the equation of your circumstance. What does the Bible say? That Jehoshaphat feared in verse number three and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. And Judah gathered themselves together to ask help of the Lord. Even out of all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. Do you see that? 
They submitted themselves to God. Back in our text in verse 12, it says, Neither know we what to do, but our eyes are upon thee. Lord, we're at the end of ourselves. We're so limited, but you're not. God, we're going to submit ourselves to you. We're going to follow you, and we're going to do what you say right here, right now. Are you submitted to the Lord? That's not easy to do when you're reeling, when you're afraid, when you're tired of carrying certain things. Now, I am so thankful that I have learned that God is faithful, long-suffering, forbearing, and merciful with me when I've gone through those seasons of life. At the end of myself, totally spent, nothing left Lord, what am I going to do? Where are you, Lord? I don't know what I'm going to do here, Lord, but I know that in this time of life, in this season, I, I need some help from you, a space of grace to get through this and to do what's right. I'm glad the Lord took me where I was. He didn't chide me, didn't rebuke me. If we ask for wisdom, wisdom, the Bible says he doesn't upbraid us. He doesn't not scorn us or scoff at us. He says, now I'm here. I'll help you. I know what you need. I want to remind us all this morning, God knows who we are, where we are, and exactly what we need. It may not come overnight. There may be a time of space to think, to reflect, to ponder, to consider. A time to just really figure out where we're at. See, that's what is going on here. Then you're going to see this unfold as it develops further because you come to a place to when you're afraid of what God might want or what God might say or what you're facing or of a decision that you're uh, making in your life. And, and it's like, I really don't know what to do. And I want to encourage you today, don't lean to your own understanding, but lean to God's. Don't follow your heart, but follow the heart of God, which is given to us in his word. Don't follow the counsel of the world, but follow the counsel of the word of God. The world will say, well... Whatever you want, whatever you think is best for you, then do that. That's the counsel of the world, one's own understanding. You know, the counsel of the word of God is do what's right. Ask God what is right to do and say, Lord, by your help, I am submitted to you fully. I will follow you. I will do what you say. Lord, I want to follow the counsel of your heart. I want your mind in the matter because you said that if I would honor you, you would honor me, Lord, and I want you to honor me because I, I have decisions, I have responsibilities like the king did here uh, that other people are going to be affected by, Lord, yay or nay, for good or for bad. And so, Lord, I submit myself to you when they were afraid. When I am afraid, the psalmist said in Psalm 56 and verse 3, I will do what? Trust in thee. He said, we're going to pray. We're going to seek the Lord. And that's exactly what they did. 
I thought about this. The reason some of us, if we're not careful, are so hard-hearted is because we're in a season of life to where we're so hard-headed. I'm just going to do what I'm going to do. <laughs> I just made up my mind that it's what I want is of premium importance to me. Not what God wants. Not what God says. The Bible says, harden not your heart. Jesus even... When he suffered, he left us an example in 1 Peter chapter 2 that we should follow in his steps. He did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously, committed himself, entrusted, submitted himself fully. Father, here it is. I'm going to give myself and my situation to you. I'm taking my hands off of it. I will trust you fully. Whatever you say, Father, is what I will do. I don't know what given situation you're in this morning, but can you say that? Lord, I'm going to give this to you. I'm going to take my hands off of it, and by your help, I'm going to do whatever you say. I've told you often how we face various trials of the years, and we'd say, what are we going to do? And it's like, I don't know. (laughs) I know this, I'm going to get along with God and his word and I'm going to ask him to show us what is right to do and whatever God says in his word is right to do in this matter, that's what we're going to do. And I've learned this, it is true. If you honor God, God will honor you because some of those situations were heart-wrenching, they were gut-wrenching. I mean, there were times to where it's like there was no heart left, there was no desire even left. Seasons of life to where I thought, where do I turn? What do I do? And I'm so glad that God helped me to get my bearings through his word because I want you to see this as you think about it. Number one, submit yourself to God. Number two, stay in your lane. You say, now what do you mean? Notice in verse three, the Bible says, Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord. So he sat, he sought, and then he stood in verse five. He sat himself. Now consider this. It means to put himself in a place or a position to seek the Lord. It's like, I, I got to get along with God here. He put himself in a place and in a position where it's like, hey, if anybody needs me, tell them they're going to have to wait. I got to get along with God. There's a time when you have to get along with God. When the storm was raging and Paul was in the ship there in Acts chapter 27, he got along with God. While everybody was terrified, he was seeking God. And then he came up out of that place of prayer with confidence and said to the men there on that ship, I believe God. I'm going to do what God says in this matter. And if we'll stay with the ship, the Lord said, we'll all survive this great storm. Now think about it. Who do you believe today? You're going to believe God? You're going to believe your own understanding? You're going to believe the philosophy of the world? I heard a noted preacher say recently, it's amazing to him even with a very large congregation How many people are getting so caught up with the philosophy, the rudiments, the teachings of this world in this day and in this hour? He said it's entering into their lives, into their way of thinking without processing things with a biblical lens or a biblical worldview. It's like, well, what do you think about this? Or here's what others think about it. Or here's what everybody else seems to be doing today. And they're Christian. 
They love the Lord. Everybody else says this. Everybody else says it's all right. Friend, let me caution you today. Don't follow the way of this world. The way of this world is a broad path and it leads to destruction. The way of God is a narrowing and it's not always what we want, but it is what is right and it is what is best. And you got to put yourself in a place to seek God, to truly submit yourself to the Lord, to gather your thoughts, to gather your emotions, to get your bearings, to know where you are, who you are, whose you are. You got to get some clarity. Because as you think about this, he prayed and acknowledged the greatness of God, the promise of God and his power at work in their lives. The promise that if they would cry unto God, that God would hear and help them in verse 9. As you think about this, the time came when you see again in verse number 13, and all Judah stood before the Lord. See that? They gathered themselves together. Remember, that's what the Bible says back in verse number four. They gathered themselves together. You've got to gather yourself. And the prophet spoke to them of the Spirit of God according to verse number 14 and said, the last part of verse 15, be not afraid nor dismayed by reason of this great multitude for the battle is not yours, but whose? God's. The battle is God's. So now you're going to go against the enemy tomorrow. But notice this in verse 17. You shall not need to fight in this battle. Here it is again. Underline this word, set yourselves. Stand ye still and see the salvation of the Lord. Set yourselves. The word set here literally means to put yourself in a place with the intention to stand fast, to stay Gather yourselves together. Go down to where God wants you to be when this battle commences and then stand there in faith. Stand firmly upon the promise of God, upon the word that God has given you. Oftentimes in trials, I learned to just immerse myself in the word of God and I would literally pray and read God's word until God gave me something from his word that would give me light or understanding or strength or some kind of promise to give me direction in the matter. Sometimes it didn't take me long to get that. Sometimes I had to read my Bible through the night. I remember one night, it was a Sunday night after church. I was so heavy hearted. Rebecca and the children went to bed and I said, well, I've just, I've got to pray. I've got to ask God to help me. I remember sitting in the chair with my open Bible and said, now, Lord, you've got to give me something. <laughs> and I sat there for the longest time and read God's word. And then I began to think of another passage that the Lord brought to my mind. And I went there and I read it and it quickened my heart. It gave me strength in the moment. And it gave me guidance. In fact, I got up about 3 a.m. from the chair and went on a prayer walk and walked to a house. Think about it. Back in the day, in the middle of the night, I walked to the house of another member of our church and stood there 
and prayed for that family. I wept as I prayed for them and asked God to help them. You know, I can tell you, God gave me the, the strength, the clarity, the direction that I needed because I thought, Lord, I'm going to seek you until you give me something. I'm not going to let go of you, Lord, until you bless me. Remember when Jacob prayed that? Lord, I've just got to have some direction here. Lord, to put myself in a place to seek you, Lord, and I'm going to stand fast on your promise. Lord, I, I, this is not everyone else's life that I'm living. I'm trying to live the life you've given me. Lord, I, I, I'd like to help everyone, but there are people you put in my path that I'm responsible for, Lord, and I've just got to get my bearings. I've got to know who I am in you and what you want and what you've put before me. You know, some of us, the reason we can't get clarity is because we're still worried about everybody else, what they're going to do or what they're not going to do and, and uh, how they're responding or not responding, how they're faring or not faring. Get your eyes on the Lord. The way to get your eyes on the Lord is to get along with him through his word. Look to God through his word. God will give you that grace and that strength that you need. Oh, as we think about that, I think about all the different things that God can accomplish in a great battle and challenge that we're facing. I remember sitting in the office of someone of great stature, and influence. And I asked him a question because he had faced some really big setbacks older in life. I asked him, I said, how do you feel about this? He said immediately, nothing I can do about it. I've given it to God and I want to talk about what God has going forward for my life and for your life. You know, that's where more of us need to get. There's some things we're just going to have to bring to God. We're going to have to fully submit it to God and give it to God and take our hands off of it and gather ourselves and get along with the Lord and say, Lord, all right, what do I do now? Where do I go from here? How do you want me to handle this? How do you want me to respond to this, Lord? I don't really know what to do here, but I tell you this, I know you know what to do, Lord, and my eyes are upon you, the one who sees what I cannot see, the one who knows the hearts of others, the one who knows my heart when I don't know it myself. Oh, God, teach me and show me what to do. Help me to stand upon your promise, Lord. Help me to embrace what you have for my life going forward. Can I say that so many of us, and I've fought this battle so many times, we live in the rearview mirror of life. Life, just looking back, rehearsing and recalling time and time again disappointments, uh, failures, shortcomings, hurts, wounds and all these things of our past and I know the weight of those. I know the weariness of those but there comes a point to where we turn to God in faith and say, Lord, but I'm still here. You're not finished with me. I've got to unburden myself. I've got to cast all my cares upon you. Lord, I can't carry this anymore. Lord, I'm just going to gather my heart and my mind before you and ask that you give me clarity for not only where I'm at and what I can do or not, what I have to trust you with, but where I go from here, Lord. And you know what? God gave them clarity. He gave them that direction through his word by his servant. 
He said, set yourselves, verse 17, stand you still and see the salvation of the Lord. And you know what? It's amazing what God did. I like what Dr. Harold Seitler said. I think you ought to serve the Lord where you are, do what you can, and then go home at night and sleep and rest. And then get up and do the same thing the next day, mind your own business, and keep on preaching the gospel. Get your eyes back on the Lord. See, gather yourself. Commit yourself to God. Show me, Lord, where I am and what you want with my life. Oh, that's why so many times we need to shut the world out. And just knowing what's going on in everyone else's life, we can't handle that. That's what gives us that cloudiness of heart and mind. But then lastly, notice this. God not only wants us to submit ourselves to him and to do that fully, but stay in our lane. Lord, what do you have for me? What am I to do in this matter? But then number three, he wants us to serve him with gladness. What do you mean, gladness? The enemy's coming against them, but what did they do? The Bible says, knowing that the Lord was with them, according to the last part of verse 17, the king bowed his head in prayer, and he fell before the Lord and worshiped him, and then stood to praise the Lord in verse 19 with others, the Levites. And it says here, they rose early in the morning, went forth, the king stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, ye inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe the Lord your God. See, there it is. Believe the Lord your God. Who are you going to believe? The voice you listen to today will determine the life you live tomorrow. Who are you going to believe? He said, Believe the Lord. Believe what the Lord said. Take God at his word. The Bible says, so shall you be established. Believe his prophets, so shall you prosper. When someone is telling you God's word on God's behalf, you better listen to what's being said. Don't like, oh, well, you know. If someone's saying this is what God says, thus saith the Lord, then take it to heart. If you do, you'll be blessed. So the appointed singers in verse 21 that they should praise the beauty of the holiness of God. They went out before the army to say, praise the Lord for his mercy endureth forever. And when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushments against the children of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir or Edom there. Even those that they were not to go up against according to Deuteronomy chapter two and chapter nine, God says, all right, now they've come against you and here's how I'm gonna deal with them. I'm gonna set ambushments. Either there was some kind of supernatural intervention that God did there in that regard uh, or there were those who lived locally that God just moved upon them to attack them without uh, being, them being aware and then all of a sudden they were so afraid they turned on each other and they began to, destroy one another like they did in Gideon's day. Remember that? Some of us, we think, Lord, I'm no match for this and these people are coming after me. This is gonna bury me. But if we give it to God, you'll be amazed at how God can turn that thing around. And people who are set on destroying you end up destroying themselves. Trust God. Believe God. Take God at his word and simply do what he says. He said they were to praise Sing praise unto God as an act of faith and obedience. You know what? God blessed it. So much so that they were three days gathering the spoil of the victory. And then when they returned home in verse 27, 
They returned home. Circle it there. I have it circled in my Bible. They returned home with joy. There's a point to where you say, hey, I'm not going to be underneath this. I'm not going to be worried. I'm not going to fret. I'm not going to go on and on and on. It's like, hey, I've given this to God, and I'm going to trust God, and the battle's the Lord's. And one way or another, God's going to make a way, and God's going to show himself strong, and God's going to work in this matter, and so I'm just going to praise him by faith. I'm going to exchange a spirit of heaviness for a garment of praise. And I'm just going to praise God and thank him by faith that the victory's already won, and when God gives the victory, I want to tell you, the joy increases that much more. That's exactly what happened here. I think about some of the different things that we have going on in our lives. We've all been hurt to some degree or another. You don't live very long in a fallen world and not get hurt, carry wounds, walk with a limp. Remember the story of Jim Brown, the running back that Jack Hudson used to tell? He said they were the defense would go after his knees. They'd try to hit him in such a way to hurt him. And he said sometimes he was hurting so bad. But he never would walk with the limp going back to the huddle because then they knew where to hit him next. And he learned to play hurt. Sometimes that's really where we are, aren't we? If we're not careful, we want everybody to say, hey, see this, see this limp here? That's not wise. As much as we want at times, we're so vulnerable and weary, we want the sympathy of others, and I'm all for it. We should have empathy one toward another. You're going to be disappointed in life sometimes when you don't get a recognition of your wound. That's where you're going to have to truly trust God and not get hard yourself and bitter. You're going to have to do all that you can not to try to draw attention to it and say, hey, looky here. Make sure by the grace of God, you tell yourself, hey, looky here. Let's look to the Lord. God help me. Because when I was young growing up in the home I did, you know what I thought? What is sympathy going to get me when I'm hungry and I'm cold and I'm lonely? I thought, it won't get me much at all. What I need to do is trust the Lord and by his grace rise above this and go on and finish strong. A doctor is someone that I visited some in my life. I'm beginning to visit him more at this stage. And I've learned this about everything I've ever faced. He says, let's do this, and it was done, taken care of. But I've also stood by a lot of people in a lot of situations, and I'm learning this in some measure, that some things the doctors truly can help heal, and some things they can only help you manage. You have to learn to be grateful for their help to manage a situation they cannot rectify. Now, I want us to be reminded today, sometimes God heals us. I've seen it, I've lived it. 
Have you lived it? So many of us have. God has healed my heart or a situation, whatever it may be. But there have been times when it, the hurt lingered. But I've learned this, that God's still God. He's still the great physician. And if I will humble myself before him, he'll take me where I'm at. And he'll gently work with me and bring me along and teach me how to deal with that and how not to let that dominate me or terrorize me or cause me great fear or he can take the sting of that away when I think about that in my heart. See, I've learned that. God wants us to learn that because we're running a race here. It's going to be over before we know it. And I talk of this often because I'm living it and sometimes even the blur of life like an instant a true vapor. It comes and it goes. I think about Christ and those who scorned him. He did everything right. He gave his all. And they still thought nothing of it. And I thought, wow. Well, when you get there, you try to do right. And it literally means nothing to some. Remember Christ. Consider him. He offered up himself. He suffered. He bled. He died. And to many, it means nothing. But I'll tell you what, it meant everything to his father. And it means everything to me. What you do when you do what's right, when you submit yourself to the Lord, when you say, Lord, I'm just going to stay in this lane that you've given me. I'm going to try to make the most of this opportunity yet. I'm still here. I've had my setbacks, my disappointments, but you still have a path forward if I'll seek you in that. When you get to that place and you're at a point to where you say, Lord, help me to serve you with the spirit of faith and expectation, even gladness yet, God will bring you to this place to where you say, Lord, I want to do all of your will, come what may, so that no matter where I've been and what I've faced, whether others value it or not, as long as you value it and you're pleased and it helps somebody, then I'm going to rejoice in you and thank you for it. God can bring you to that place. Jesus said that I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. John 6, 38. John 8, 29, And he that sent me is with me. The Father hath not left me alone, for I do always those things that please him. Hebrews 12, 2 says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God for the joy that was set before him. He was able to look beyond that present cross and see the crown. And friend, if you will deal with your cross in faith, the day will come when you will wear the crown of God's blessing. That's what Jesus wears today. And I don't know where you're at. We take our hits. We carry our hurts. But there's a God in heaven who is still in control and oversees it all. You know what some of us need today? I think about so much of life is about control. Who's going to control whom or what? Or is God going to control us? And then I think also so much of life is about motivation. Why are you doing what you're doing? 
Some of us need good, healthy motivation to finish this race God has given us to run. Isn't that right? I thought it was interesting. I read recently about Secretariat. How many of you remember that name? 1973, The Great Race Horse. It's a book written entitled The Horse That God Built. (laughs) I think that's amazing. It was a legend in his time. Not only did he win the Triple Crown of thoroughbred racing, but he did it in an unprecedented performance. Now think of this. At the Belmont Stakes, he not only won the race by 31 lengths, but he set new records along the way as he went faster with each phase of the run. For one and a half miles, that famous thoroughbred, the writer says, ran faster every second. Secretariat was accelerating at such an incredible pace as he approached the finish line that his trainer noted if the race had been extended another lap, his heart would have literally exploded. Faster and faster and faster. The finish line is just ahead. What did Paul say? But none of these things moved me about his race. Neither count I my life dear unto myself so that I might finish my course with what? Joy. And the ministry which I've received of the Lord Jesus Christ to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Hey, we can serve the Lord with gladness. Do we believe that? We can finish strong and finish well. And that's what my challenge is to you because after you've been weary for so long, that takes a lot out of you. And sometimes our instinct is to just sit down and sit it out. No, God wants you to re-engage. Get back up on that saddle as it were. And ride the horse of God's will all the way across that finish line. And let's pick up some speed here. Let's get quickened again in our hearts and say, you know what? I've been in a slumber of discouragement, uh, weariness, even despair for so long, Lord. Would you quicken my heart and get me up and get me out of here and get me going again? I want to tell you, that's what God did for them with a great enemy coming against them. And whatever's coming against you, there's a God in heaven who will hear your prayers when you'll find a place to get along with him and seek him. And seek him till you find him. He said, I will be found of you. And when you find the promise of God, stand on it. You're going to be amazed at the joy of victory that God will give to your own heart. Let's stand with our heads bowed. Thank you for listening to The Shining Light. We pray that this time has been a time of encouragement and blessing to you. The Shining Light is a production of Shining Light Baptist Church located at 2541 Old Charlotte Highway in Monroe, North Carolina. If you don't have a church home, we invite you to join us. Service times and more information can be found at our website, www.shininglightmonroe.com. You can also watch our services on Facebook and YouTube and connect with us on social media. Thank you for joining us, and God bless.